Welcome to A.T. Stewart and Sons Ministries. I'm your host, A.T. Stewart. I'm glad you've chosen to join us today as we look into the Word of God. So take your Bibles and let's hang out in God's Word for a few moments and see what God would say to us today. Today we're going to do the second part of the sermon I began on Father's Day on God's plan for raising godly children. In Ephesians chapter 6, God gives us some good words of instruction, uh, beginning in verse 1, and I'll ask you to stand, and I'll be reading verses 1 through 4 of Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, for this is the first commandment with promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You may be seated. On Father's Day, I told you that there was a major need in our nation, and the need was to have an effective plan, an effective way to raise well-mannered, well-behaved children. Because it seems that we have a nation of ill-mannered, ill-behaved children. And I challenge you just to talk to any grammar school teacher in the public school system if you question me at that point. Also, if you will remember, uh, we said that the problem was that fathers were not taking their God-given responsibility as a chief disciplinarian in the home. That what we needed to do was men needed to take their rightful position as chief disciplinarian and lead their children, excuse me, lead their wives to also join with them in bringing up their children in the instruction and discipline of the Lord. God has given us in His Word what we need, I believe, to raise well-mannered, well-behaved children. Uh, But we need to get back to God's plan for child raising uh, rather than man's plan that has permeated our society today. Now, I talked about two stages in the child training process. And the first stage we looked at last time, and that is the controlling stage, and that equates to verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. A three-year-old, two-year-old, one-year-old child is commanded to obey their parents, but whose responsibility is it to see to it that that two-, three-, four-year-old does obey? It's a parent's responsibility. And so the first thing your child needs to learn is to obey your voice. That's simple. Until they've learned to obey your voice, you can't teach them anything else. Because you can't move to the next stage until they have first learned to obey your voice. And I said there's a problem, and that's called the sin nature. They are come into this world as little rebels. Not angels, but devils. Little rebels. And I've had enough children and grandchildren to guarantee you that's the truth. And... Uh, so you got a problem immediately off the bat when you say, well, my will and their will is totally different. They don't want to obey my will. Well, what do you do? Well, God gives only one remedy for that rebellion in the heart, and that is a rod of reproof. 
It says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of reproof will drive it far from him. And I talked about that rod of reproof and what it meant. And if you were not here, I encourage you to go online at, at our website and you can listen to that sermon because there's important truth there. Uh, because that will enable you to bring your children to the standard of first-time obedience with the right attitude. So that you tell them to do something only once. You don't have to repeat it. You don't have to say it three or four times. You don't have to count down. Okay, now I'm counting down to, to zero. If I get to zero and you hadn't done it, you threaten them. No. All you need to say is, it's time for you to clean up your room. It's time for you to go study. And they say, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. And they go do it. No conflict. No, no hassle. No uh, anger and rising voices and, and frustration on mom's part. You just tell them once and they do it. With a good attitude. With a happy heart. That's the standard. And you can achieve that standard. You may think, man, there's no way. You don't know my kids. I don't know your kids, but God knows them. And I've had enough of my own to pretty well get a good sampling of what they're like. And it will take consistency on your part. It will take work on your part. But it can be done. And that's the goal. That's what you want to accomplish. First time obedience with a happy heart, with the right attitude. Now, once that has been accomplished, you're ready to move on to the second stage. And that is the training Stage, the teaching stage. And that has to do with honor. Verse 2, honor your father and your mother. Once they learn to obey you, then they will respect you. If your children never learn to obey your voice, they won't respect you. The teenager that grows up saying their mom and dad are stupid, they don't know anything, is the teenager who was not taught first time obedience. And so they Parents don't know anything. As far as they're concerned, they don't respect them. So that first-time obedience is necessary to gain the respect of your children. And then they will receive the teaching that you give them. Now, the rod of reproof, or spanking as it's commonly called, is reserved for acts of rebellion, attitudes of rebellion, or if a child physically harms another person. And we'll get into that in a moment why it's that. But I do not advocate spanking for everything. It should be reserved for acts of rebellion, that foolishness is bound up in their heart, and for when they have physically hurt another person. There are basically five steps in this second stage the teaching stage that I want to give you today. Again, sanctified common sense is one of the major factors in being a good parent. That's why God doesn't require you pass a test before you become a parent. Now, hopefully you have learned from your parents, but if you did not, still, sanctified common sense is a major part of this, and I think you'll see that when it comes out. But I believe as I search the Scriptures, these five steps that I'm going to give you are biblical and they're God's plan. Right, first, you must set the standard. 
The Bible says in Romans 4, where there is no law, there is no violation of the law. You've got to set a standard so your children know what they are to do. And that just makes common sense, doesn't it? You set a standard. You set a rule or principle that they are to follow. Now, you will have particular standards that your family will adopt that other families may not adopt. But that doesn't matter. As the parents, you have the authority to bring your standards to your family. For instance, when our kids were growing up, it was important to us that they learned to say, yes, sir, and no, sir, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. Now, I know for those of you that did not grow up in a southern culture, that may not be important to you, and that's okay. But it was important to us. We felt like it was a sign of respect for a child to, when speaking to an adult, to use the term sir and ma'am. And so this was one of the standards that we put before our children. Another standard might be, you are to clean your room. And so that's the standard that they have to do. Another standard may be, you have to finish all your homework before you can watch any television or before you can go on the computer. And that, again, is a standard you might set. There are numerous various standards that you, as a family, should set for the behavior of your children. They don't know how to behave when they come into this world. That's why they need you. They don't have manners. You have to teach them manners. Right? We would say, for instance, when you go over to somebody's house, you don't go in and open their refrigerator. You don't go in and ask them for something to eat. You know, if you need something, you come and ask us. You know, I had kids come in my house, neighborhood kids, and open my refrigerator. You know, I didn't like that. You don't go opening cabinets. You don't go opening closet doors. And looking at things when you're in somebody's house. There are certain standards of manners that you've got to teach your kids. They just won't know them from the beginning. Now, you need to first make sure they clearly understand the standard. It needs to be one they can comprehend. Now, this is where common sense comes in. Now, you don't tell a two-year-old child, now you just shouldn't lie. They don't understand what lying means. You know, if you're trying to achieve some standard there of honesty with a two-year-old, you're going to have to really work at helping them understand the difference between fantasy and fact. And you may even have to wait until they get a little older. You don't tell a two-year-old, okay, here's the standard today, you've got to go clean up your room. You don't even tell a four-year-old that without going in and saying, okay, now, from now on, you are going to be responsible for keeping your room clean and picked up. And this is what I mean by that. And you go in with the four-year-old or five-year-old or whatever age, and you show them what a clean room looks like. Now, you may have to do that two or three times to make sure they understand what a clean room is. I mean, you tell a six-year-old, okay, we're going to the grocery store today, and and now you behave. I know what that means. You know what that means, but does a six-year-old, a five-year-old know what it means to behave in the grocery store? You say, well, they just ought to know. Well, how should they ought to know? They don't know they shouldn't go around and just play with the uh, the plot price tags and move them all around and, and go in and grab 
different things off the shelves and put them. They won't know that if you don't tell them. So what you say to them is, now, when I go, when we go to the grocery store today, I expect you to behave. And this is what I mean by that. You don't go picking up things on the shelves. You don't go moving price things on the shelves. You don't be saying, Mommy, I want this. Mommy, I want that. You stand beside me. You walk beside me. You don't touch things. You don't touch people. That's what it means to behave. And you explain that to them. And again, you may have to explain it more than once. Another thing that we did was we role-played with our kids. They love this. All right, so we might say, okay, this is the way you act when an adult speaks to you. When an adult puts out their hand, you take their hand, you look at them in the eye, and they say, hello, how are you? You say, fine, thank you. All right? Some kids are more shy and you have to do more work. But you work with them. All right, so Terry and I would, would role play. All right, first you do it the wrong way. One of us would be the adult, one of us would be the child. And the adult says, hey, how you doing? And then you do it the wrong way and you do all this kind of stuff. And, and kids love it. And then you do it the right way, and they see the right way, and then you let them practice doing it the wrong way and the right way. You're helping them understand what you're talking about. You've got to realize you're talking to an immature person emotionally and mentally, and things you and I might take for granted that we understand, they don't understand unless we teach them. So make sure that the principle is clearly understood and comprehended by the child, again, depending on their age. Another thing we would do is we would sometimes draw pictures to represent the rule of the standard and put those up in a prominent place so children could see the standard and keep it on their minds, okay? You know, there's a reason we have these speed limit signs everywhere, to keep it on your mind, to remind you. Also, without the law, there is no infraction, but once the standard's been set, then there will be an infraction. So, think of different ways, creative ways to keep it before your children. Another thing that we found to be helpful is, say, we're going over to visit someone as a family, and we have laid down the rules about what's appropriate in a person's house and what's not. And it's good to say, you know, kids, we're getting ready to go now. Remember, we don't run in the house we don't go open the refrigerator door. We don't do this and this. And go down the list with them as you're driving over to that person's house. All right? Keep it on their mind. You will finally get to a point that you'll be going to someone's house and all you've got to say is, okay, kids, what's the rules? And then they give them to you. We don't open the refrigerator door. We don't ask for food. We don't run in the house. And that's where you want to get them to the point that they know. And you don't even have to repeat it. Right? I used to give the same speech so many times with my kids, I'd sometimes say, okay, speech number three. You know, you don't study, you lose the hope, you lose the hope, you don't get to go to college, and I just go, and so I'd say, y'all know what I'm going to say, so I don't need to say it, do it. They say, no. But we communicate it. Lay the standard out. Now, give biblical principles as it is appropriate for these standards that you set up. And when you're teaching your children to be respectful of other people, to be respectful of adults, that means when an adult comes in the room and there are no chairs, the children should stand up and give way for the adult to have a seat. That's just good manners. I was taught that. Many of you were taught that, right? That's, but how many kids are taught that this day and time? 
You don't interrupt. You don't do this. You don't do that. Right? Give biblical principles. The Bible says honor all people. That's a biblical principle that has to do with good manners. You know, when you're teaching them standards, don't do not lie. The Bible says lying lips an abomination to the Lord. But those who deal faithfully are his delight. Give them a verse to go with that standard. Again, if they're young, you may give them just a part of the verse. But what you're doing is you're parenting to the heart. The Scriptures will get into the heart of the child. Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. And so when you attach a biblical principle, a Bible verse to a standard, you are doing more than simply giving them an outward standard. You are parenting to the heart. You're showing them this is God's way. This is God's standard. And when they get older and embrace the truth of God, this will help them to maintain that standard. What did David say? I've treasured your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So again, if you're doing the chart with the pictures, then you'd put the Bible verse up there. And you teach it to your children. Again, as a, a repetitious thing. Now, children, you remember, what's our standard about truthfulness? We do not lie. Why? Because God says that lying lips, he hates. You know, but those who deal faithfully are his delight. And so you bring home that biblical truth to them. Also, it helps them to begin to think biblically. For them to begin to develop a biblical mindset and to see life through the lens of biblical principles and biblical truth. Because they, as they get older, are going to develop their own standards and you want them to go back to God's Word as they have been taught in their early years as a standard of behavior to find their standards of behavior as they go out. So, it needs to set the rule. It needs to be clearly understood. Give biblical principles when appropriate. And then state the punishment at the time of setting the standard. This is the time that you tell them what the consequences are going to be if they do not obey the standard. Don't wait until they, they fail the standard. Don't wait until they have been disobedient. Because then everybody's upset, everybody's angry, and that's when you say you're going to be grounded for a year. And you don't really mean it. Right? Then you've got to go back and change it. And that's worse. So you set the standard and you set the punishment when you set the standard. You say, okay, if you don't clean up your room, then you will have to go to bed 15 minutes early. Or if you don't finish your homework before you watch television, then you will not be able to watch television for so many days. I mean, you, you talk about it as a family and decide about the punishment, and we'll talk more about punishment a little Later, but it needs to be stated at this point. So here you have the standard. So you have it on a chart. This is our rule. This is our standard. Now this is a punishment that you will receive if you don't follow this standard. Now it's out there. It's clear. So when they want to come back and say, well, that's not fair. What? What's not fair about it? You knew. You knew when you didn't do this that this was going to be the... You chose. Don't blame me. You chose to disobey the standard. So this is the punishment. So first, set the standard. Now, what you're going to find out is there are going to be things that, that are going to happen and you're not going to be able to, to, to punish because you've never set the standard for that one thing. I remember when, when our twins were about five years old. 
somebody had given them a tent uh, for their birthday. And you know how when the kids get a tent, you put it up in their bedroom and they get to sleep in it, you know, for a few days and pretend they're sleeping out. Well, I came home from work one day and I found out later that the boys decided that that tent needed a little more ventilation. And, and their sister had just used a pair of scissors to cut their hair. And so that gave them the bright idea to cut holes in this tent. Well, I get home from work, and I go up there in their bedroom, and I see where they've cut holes all over this tent, and, man, I just flew into a rage. And fortunately, Terry was close by, and she immediately knew what was getting ready to happen. She said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, we never told them not to cut holes in their tent. And you know what my first reaction was? Well, they're not idiots, are they? They ought to know better. But then I had tried to put myself on the level of a five-year-old and, okay, all right, they didn't know. All right, well, I use that as an opportunity to set that standard. Okay, guys, from now on, this will not happen. So there are going to be things your kids are going to do you just didn't think about, and you will use that to set the standard. Now, having said that, if they were 12 and 13 years old and I went in there and they'd cut holes in the tent, that'd be a different story. Even though I never said don't cut holes in the tent, they ought to have enough sense by the time they're 12 or 13 to know that they shouldn't do stuff like that. Okay? So, because you got kids that are teenagers, well, you never said I wasn't supposed to do that. But you know, I know you're not an idiot because I raised you. You know, you just got to have, you got sense to know you shouldn't do that. Don't give me that. All right, so set the standard. Now, areas that standards should be set. Basically, biblical commands, obviously. Bible says don't lie, then you need to teach your children not to lie. Bible says don't steal, you need to teach your children not to steal. So that goes without saying that you need to have standards for your kids' behavior that are in line with biblical commands. But there are also areas of biblical principles that you need to have standards. And that would be in the area of manners and, and being trustworthy and exercising self-control and being responsible. And when you give your word, that you must keep your word, things like that. Okay? So you want to have those standards as well. And then you'll have some particular standards that just you as a family feel are important. Uh, and other families may not adopt those, but that's okay. And when your kid comes and says, well, so-and-so's mama doesn't make him do so-and-so, you say, well, so-and-so... Is not your mama, is she? <laughs> I am. And this is what we do in our house, right? This is what makes us different than other people. All right, set the standard, number one. Number two, you rebuke for their disobedience. Luke 17.3 says, if your brother sins, rebuke him. Now, when your child breaks the standard, you need to tell them, that they are wrong. You need to call them on the carpet, so to speak. You need to expose their wrongdoing and use that as an opportunity for training them. The Bible says that we as adults, if we see a fellow Christian sinning, we need to call them on the carpet. We need to bring that to their mind. We need to say, hey, that behavior is wrong. And what happens is you, as the parent, are declaring your child guilty of breaking 
the rule. Now, this is needed to keep them from self-justification. This is needed to keep them from trying to blame other people. It sets the stage for the next step. So you say, look, you failed to clean up your room. You knew the standard and you didn't do it. Just that simple. You don't have to raise your voice. You don't have to get angry with them. Just simply and calmly say, you have failed to meet the standard of so-and-so, so-and-so. Okay? That's all you got to do. You were to be home by this time. You were home later. You have broken the standard. You are guilty. All right? So once you rebuke them for their disobedience, and there are three levels of disobedience that you need to be aware of, because it may determine how you proceed. First, there's a level of forgetfulness. A child just forgets. You know, they just don't remember. And that's why it's important to have those reminder sessions before you go somewhere and say, okay, let's go remind ourselves of the standard. Now, how do we act here? How do we act there? All right? So it's important to, to do that. All right? But sometimes they just forget. All right? I'm going to give you an example. All right? Say, uh, Johnny's out playing in the yard. Johnny's, say, he's uh, eight or nine years old. All right? And, and he's out and he's got his baseball and his baseball glove and he's just throwing the ball up and running in the yard and catching it. Now, the standard is, Johnny, you don't leave our yard. You stay in our yard. All right? Johnny's throwing the ball up, running and catching it. And he happens to throw it further than he intended, and it goes over in the neighbor's, my neighbor's yard. Now, Johnny's not thinking. He's just thinking about catching that ball. And so he runs over in the neighbor's yard and catches that ball. Now, he's broken the standard, right? So he's guilty. But it was a matter of forgetfulness, right? He just wasn't thinking at the time. All right? Next uh, is, again... Uh, just not paying attention. Now, that last one would be not thinking. Forgetfulness might be he just doesn't really even think about, remember his mom said, don't go in the yard. Okay? And you may give a child at a certain age, you may give them one free pass on forgetfulness. I remember when I was probably about four or five, uh, my mom told me not to sit on the hood of the car. And uh, truly, I forgot. And she saw me sitting on the hood of the car, and I said, I forgot. She said, well, you won't forget again. And uh, I didn't forget again. Because she did more than just rebuke me at that point. But it's amazing how my memory got better. <laughs> it is amazing the connection between the two, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> All right, so they may just honestly forget. And then there is, though, the outright rebellion. This is where Johnny is out throwing his ball up in the air, and he sees Mom in through the kitchen window, and she's there washing dishes, and she's watching Johnny, and he sees that. So he keeps cutting his eye over there, and he notices she's not there. And so he purposely throws the ball into the neighbor's yard and runs over and gets it. Now, he knew what he was doing when he did it. He was outright rebelling. Now, I know some of you moms are thinking, why would he do that? It's the nature of the beast, ladies. It's a game. We guys make a game out of it. Can I get by with it? Can I do it without mama seeing it? Well, he just may want to make mama mad. 
You know, we guys just have a rebellious streak in us. You know, it's a game. He doesn't care. And so he sees if he can get by with it. Well, again, you would deal with that last one. That outright rebellion would be dealt with differently than the first two. But in all three, you must declare your child guilty. Because they are. Whether they just forgot, or whether they wasn't thinking, or whether they were outright rebellious. It doesn't matter. They broke the standard. All right? So the next step, number three, the child must confess his guilt. Again, Luke 17 says, if your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. All right? A part of repentance is confession. The child must confess that they have done wrong. A simple, yes, sir. I did wrong. You're right. Yes, sir. I went out of the yard. Yes, sir. I didn't clean up my room. Yes, sir. I didn't do this. That's all. You don't, you don't need them to cry. You don't need them to actually even show any remorse in their emotions. Now, you got some kids that are going to start crying before you ever even rebuke them. Right? You got those kids. And they're the same ones that will go out and do it again just as quick. Right? They just, a crier, so they'll get all upset and remorseful and, and make you feel so sorry for them. That's their way of doing it. You're not looking for emotion. You want them to admit. Confession simply is to agree with God. To confess our sins means we agree with God we've sinned. We admit that we have broken the standard. The child simply needs to admit, yes, I did wrong. Yes, I broke the standard as you have said. Now, here's a key point. If he resists your rebuke, if he tries to blame somebody else for what he did, if he refuses to admit that he did wrong, guess what? He has then moved into rebellion. And you know the cure for rebellion? Mm -hmm. The rod. And so then you stop and say, okay, now we need to move to the rod. Then you administer the rod, and you come back and you declare him wrong. And if he doesn't admit he's wrong, then you say, we need a little more rod time. And you go back to the rod until he comes to the point that he submits to your leadership in his life. That's what he's doing. When he resists and says, no, I didn't do it. No, you're wrong. I didn't do wrong. He is failing to submit to your authority in his life. And therefore, he is rebelling against you, rebelling against you as his parent, as the authority in his life, and you need to deal with it. And I know some kids just will not, do not, want to admit they're wrong. That pride is so strong, and you've got to deal with them though, because if you don't, they're going to continue to blame other people. They're going to continue to make, not take responsibility themselves for it, and you've got to bring them to the point that they acknowledge, yes, I've done wrong, yes. As you have said, I have broken the standard. Yes, I accept your rulership over my life. Right? And it may take some work with some, especially if you haven't brought them to this point before. And some you may have to continually come to that point. But trust me, <laughs> you think there's conflict now, you wait till they get 14, 15, 16. And you're going to see conflict. You need to deal with it while they're younger. All right? So they must confess. Confession is good for the child. It cleanses their guilt, their soul from the guilt. It helps them to deal with their wrong when they can say, yes, I've done wrong. All right, so first you set the standard. When the child breaks the standard, 
then you call them on the carpet. You rebuke them. And then, thirdly, they are to confess their guilt. They are to agree with you, yes, I've done wrong. This is wrong. And then the next step is you forgive them. Okay? You forgive them. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, what does it say? Forgive him. You need, upon your child's confession, to assure them of your unconditional love and forgiveness for them. Okay? Parents, do not withhold your love and affection from your children as a form of punishment. God doesn't do that to you. Do not do that. Once they confess, you take them in your arms and you say, Honey, I forgive you. I love you unconditionally. Now, you may have to let go of your own anger. You may have to get in touch with some of your own emotions. Because sometimes when our children do things, it makes us furious. And when you're furious, you're going to have a difficult time embracing them and saying, Honey, I love you. I forgive you. So you've got to get in touch with your own anger. At that point, you're the adult. Act like it. But do not withhold your affection and your attention from your children as a form of punishment. That's conditional love. You don't want them to grow up thinking you love them only when they behave. Right? So, embrace them. Hug them. Assure them of your full acceptance. And that forgiveness continues to cleanse the guilt from their conscience. That cleansing process that began when they confessed continues when you accept and love them and show uh, that they're in right fellowship with you. Okay? Now, the final step is punishment. Some of you are thinking, now, wait a minute, preacher. I thought I just forgave them. Now, you say punish them? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Forgiveness does not remove consequences. People mistakenly think that. God forgives you, but does He remove the consequences of your actions? You drive down the road 100 miles an hour and you run into a tree and break two legs and an arm? You got I'm wrong. I broke this law. Forgive me. Does God forgive you? Yeah. Does He take away those broken legs? No. No. You live with the consequences. And so punishment is a very important part of the process, but you forgive them and then you Punish them. They have to be made to face the consequences of their action. One of the worst things I see parents do is try to eliminate the consequences of their children's actions. And as a parent, that's the normal thing to want to do. You just want to insulate them. But you're not doing them any good, trust me. The prisons are filled with people whose parents eliminated consequences. And they finally got to a point that they couldn't eliminate the consequence. And so the law took over. So do not try to eliminate the consequences of their sinful behavior. They need to taste what it's like. In fact, some kids are not going to learn any other way. You can sit down all day and try to tell them, explain to them, but they're going to have to go out and do it and find out for themselves, the school of hard knocks, that, hey, you know, this doesn't work. So you punish them. Now, I told you I'd tell you more about punishment because you said it, remember, at the time you set the standard. Well, the punishment needs to be just. You know, the Bible says an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a foot for a foot, a hand for a hand. Well, you know, that was 
trying to bring justice to a situation. That meant if you and I were, were in a fight and, and you broke my arm, I wouldn't have any right to go take your eye out. I mean, that wouldn't be just, right? So eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, was to say the punishment should be just. It should be what's considered fair. In other words, your child fails to clean up their room, then you wouldn't want to say, okay, no more computer time for six months. And that's kind of going a little overboard. You want to be just with it. All right? Now, next, and only should it be just, but it should be corrective. It should be the right that needs to be done to correct the wrong. Now, what do you mean by that, preacher? All right, here's the standard, kids. We don't run in the house. All right, so Johnny's running in the house. He hits the lamp, falls over, the lamp breaks. Okay, Johnny, you broke the standard of running in the house and you broke the lamp. Yes, sir. I was wrong. Now, Johnny, the punishment is, number one, you're going to have to help clean up the mess. Again, age-appropriate, what they can do. Also, Johnny, we're going to have to replace this lamp. It's going to cost X amount of dollars. You're going to have to take from your allowance, and you're going to have to pay for us to replace this lamp. Okay? The right needed to be done to correct the wrong. And because you broke the standard of running in the house, and you remember our chart says that you must go to bed 30 minutes early, for one week. And so, that's your punishment as well. Okay? Now, how calm and relaxed was that, right? Okay. All right, so, that's the punishment. All right, the rule is you don't eat on the carpet in the family room. All right, so, let's say Billy this time uh, has his glass of milk and something's on TV he wants to see and and, and, and so he takes his glass of milk in there and watching TV and on the carpet, and he spills it. All right? He's broken the standard. So part of the punishment is you've got to clean it up your mess. Why should Mommy have to clean up the mess? You have to clean it up. All right? Granted, some ages, they won't be able to clean it up as well as others, but they need to make an effort to clean it up. Also, if it leaves a stain, then they need to... Pay for stain remover to get the stain up. Now, all of that helps them, first of all, to remember next time and to think again before doing it. So, it should be just punishment. It should be corrective punishment. You need to do the right needed to correct the wrong. This is why if a child physically hurts another child, then they should experience pain themselves, and that's when you bring out the rod. So, other than for times of rebellion, you bring the rod out if they physically hurt another child. Because pain for pain. Okay? Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. All right? So, it needs to be just. It needs to be corrective. And then thirdly, it needs to be a deterrent. A deterrent. In other words, the punishment needs to be high enough that they don't want to do it again. You see, you have got to take 
the, you got to make the punishment so bad that the joy of breaking the standard is not enough to endure the punishment. Now, sometimes with some kids, you're going to have to learn the curve here, right? You've got a learning curve. Because you'll set a, a standard. It's like going in the briar patch for Burr Rabbit. You're going to set a standard, and they're going to think, he's going to think, I don't mind that. So he'll break the standard, and you'll give him the punishment, and, man, he'll just do, it, do the time with no problem at all. Well, that's your cue. i got to raise the standard. Right? Raise the punishment. So you raise the punishment up. And if a child continues to break a standard, guess what? They've moved into rebellion. And then you know what you do about rebellion. You bring the rod. So the rod is saved for rebellion. You don't use a rod for every little offense. If they confess and admit they're wrong, and you forgive them, move on to the punishment. You don't have to bring out the rod. But here's where the common sense comes in. If they keep on breaking that same standard, it's obvious that there's a rebellious heart going on here, and you've got to deal with it with the rod of reproof. Okay? But you need to bring the standard up high enough that they're going to think, man, uh-uh, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. I don't want to do it, and I have to pay that price. I know one of our children, went when they were in the ninth grade, went on a spring... Uh, trip to Florida with their friends, and one of the parent, one of the friends' parent was supposedly chaperone in this crowd. Uh, well, we had some family standards that this child broke, and it wasn't a standard some of the other families had, uh, but this child knew it was our standard and broke the standard, and to compound that, lied about it when they got home. Now, in our house, lying is one of the worst offenses because every healthy relationship's got to be built on trust. And if you can't trust someone, I mean, how can you build anything on that if they're going to lie to you? So, once their sin was exposed, we rebuked them and they acknowledged the rebuke. They knew they were wrong. So I didn't need to bring out the rod, but I didn't need to bring out the punishment. So the punishment was that they would be restricted for one month. They would have phone restriction for a month. And if you know a teenage girl, the phone is very important. It was back then before we had computers, before you could text. So that was a month restriction. Because a lie was involved, she had to... Look up 30 verses in the Bible on lying. And she had to memorize those verses. And for each one she memorized, I would take off one day from her month phone restriction. And she could work that down to two weeks by learning 14 verses. All right, but she had to look them up. She had to learn them. She had to know them so that if any time, I said, if I wake you up at 3 in the morning and say, 1 John 3, 2, you've got to be able to say it. So that got around school that she had to do that. But anyway, uh, so she had to learn the verses online. And she told me, and I've forgotten this, but she told me, and she had to call all of her friends that were there and Asked, apologize to them that she had broken our standard. Now, 
That was the only time we had to do something like that with her. I'm convinced if we had not taken such measures, she would have continued down a road to more and more breaking of the family's standards. Understand? So, set the standard. Make it clear. Make it understandable. Let it be something that they truly understand. Set the punishment at that time. When they break it, rebuke them. They confess. They agree they've broken the standard. Forgive them. Love them. And then carry through with the punishment. All right? You do not do your child any favor when you hold back the punishment because they've been so remorseful and they have confessed so completely. No. They need to know their consequences to their actions. That's the best way to teach them. We don't have time this morning to look at Eli, but sometime look at Eli and how he did not raise up his sons to follow the Lord. And because of that, God took the priesthood out from his family. But I do want to conclude with a test that was conceived and drawn up by two Harvard psychologists, Sheldon and Eleanor Gluet, Harvard University psychologists. Uh, sociologists. They came up with a test that was 90%, proved to be 90% accurate. That they could tell if a five and six year old child was going to grow up to be a delinquent. Listen to that. They said there were four factors that would keep a child from growing up and becoming a delinquent. And these were the four factors. A father's firm, fair, and consistent discipline. A mother's supervision and companionship during the day. A parents, the parents demonstrated affection for each other and for the children. And the families spending time together in activities where all participated. Parents, God's given us the instruction. Will you carry it out? Let's pray. We do welcome you, and I'm glad that you have taken the opportunity to listen to a sermon on our Internet. And I want you just to know that uh, everybody in the church is not like me. Uh, I have these fellows up here, our leadership team. Uh, This is Filiberto Medina, who is our Hispanic pastor. And our Hispanic congregation meets every Sunday evening at 6.30. This is Paul Kumar. He is our Minister of Community Connections. Uh, And to my left is Mark Baker who heads up our Reformers Unanimous Ministry, which is a Christian addiction recovery program that meets every Friday night at 7 o'clock. So if you live in the Mableton area, uh, and it doesn't matter what race you're from, it doesn't matter your cultural background, I want you to know you are welcome at Westside Church. This is where everybody is somebody and Jesus is Lord. Hope you'll join us soon. Thank you for being with us for this message. Each week, Dr. Stewart gives practical applications and ways to live out the Word of God. If you would like more information, please take a moment to view our website at wbcfamily.org. That's wbcfamily.org.